Mindfulness Mode 328. That is the magic ingredients to make a success more effortless in your life. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Lankford. And hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for all the messages you're sending me to bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. So much appreciated. I just received a message from Andy in the UK. He says, I've listened to your mindfulness podcasts and think they're fantastic. You have such a wonderful, warm style. And he goes on to say some other things. And he says, I used to be a professional musician rock star touring the world. And I've had over 20 different jobs in my life. I've got a pretty unusual story to tell. And he goes on talking about mindfulness and how he's uh, done a lot of mindfulness in his life. And so I uh, reached out to him and hopefully I can have a chance to have him on, on the show and talk about mindfulness from the viewpoint of a rock star and a musician. So I look forward to talking with you, Andy. That's going to be fun. And if you're listening today for the first time, please subscribe if you enjoy the show, or even if it's not your first time, we'd love you to share, 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 because that's what helps me to be able to keep this show on the air. I have a fascinating lady here with me today, and I think you are going to agree with me. She is just such an interesting person, and her name is Sylvia Becker Hill. Sylvia, are you in mindfulness mode? <laughs> Absolutely. Intentionally, I was preparing myself, meeting an expert in mindfulness. I thought I have to make sure when I meet you that I am in mindfulness mode. <laughs> and the question is how you define it, how I define it. For me, mindfulness or being right now mindful is a part of my energy right now is on you, on your face and what you say. But a part of my attention is also like hovering around us both and and trying to sense how do I feel? How is my body doing? How am I breathing? And it's nearly, I know this sounds now horribly woo-woo, it's also going a bit out through you both through you and me into the world to the potential listeners because I don't know who will listen to this but I want to feel connected with them too so for me it's an it's like an en conscious deliberate energy focusing where do I put my energy on so that I can be aware of how are you doing how am I doing my body and the potential listeners who are watching and listening to us here Sylvia I'm so happy that you shared with us your take on the meaning of mindfulness to you and your life that is fantastic and Sylvia I want to share a little bit about you with mindful tribe and here's what I've got Sylvia Becker Hill is an industry expert in the field of corporate leadership and international speaking. She's the author of a great book called 12 Leadership Powers for Successful Women. And if you're watching the video, you can see her holding this book up and it's orange and white and it is a powerful book. Sylvia has experienced firsthand the rise of women's empowerment. And we're going to be talking about that on today's show. Sylvia fuses her love of science and psychology to help people break through their unserving dogmas of the past. And that's <laughs> yes. a fascinating phrase too. Her mission 
is to raise the number of female leaders worldwide in all sections of society, economy, and government by 30% in the next 30 years. So that's a fantastic mission. So Sylvia, it is so exciting to have you on the show. And let's talk first of all about women's empowerment. How did you arrive here being passionate about helping women to become more empowered? Without scaring our audience, because I start now with my early childhood, I'm not going right. through all my years, but sure. it really started as a child. Oh. I'm from Germany, as people hear from my accent, and I was born into a family, my parents and my mother's parents living together in a house. I was a single child, and all the four adults were traumatized by the Second World War. Okay. As a child, when you're born into this kind of system, you don't know that. You don't understand intellectually no. what is going on, but we not. all are, I believe, we all are angels, we are born, and we are like sponges. Everything in our environment has an imprint on us. We sense it without having maybe the words and understanding of it. I loved my parents, and I still do. They're still alive, both over 80. And my mother, I experienced her, was never, because of the PTSD and the whole environment of society, she never in my perception, experienced herself being fully in her power, being not a victim, being fully self-expressed, being able to live her full potential. And that hurt me. I mean, watching her and feeling her and being with her, it, it was a pain and it's still a pain which drives me now, I'm now 51 in my business, the human wasted potential, it's like Ah, it's a physical pain. When I see people and I see people, it's an, uh, like a talent, I have a genius. I see the vision. I see their greatness. I see their potential, literally seeing what they could be. And then when I see how they sabotage themselves, how they uh, are stuck in the wrong job, how they are running the wrong business, how they are getting a divorce. I mean, all these things, seriously, they pain me. And now I know some therapists listening uh, would probably say, Sylvia, you have some serious codependency issues. You can't rescue <laughs> the whole world. I worked on it. <laughs> and so it's now not any longer a neurotic pattern. It's my choice. I love reducing the emotional pain on this planet. And women's empowerment is uh, the piece of this whole pie where a lot of light workers, for me, you are a light worker, what you do here, you are reducing the pain of emotional pain on this planet through your podcast, through the work you do. So we all have our slice of cake where we do the part of, our, of the work, but collectively we are working really on the same mission, I believe, creating a world which, which works for everyone. And Sylvia, and, do you ever help men? Is it always just women? No, I work statistically 50-50% with men and women. Oh, do you? The, the, women, the men I work with, they are all right now corporate leaders uh -huh. who are proud to say, but not necessarily publicly, but who are feminists, who, who understand that gender equality is the foundation of the next phase of human's evolution. So my male clients are top executives who have made the commitment to change their whole corporate culture culture and environment, basing it in gender equality, diversity and inclusion. And for that, they have to step up in their own leadership. So I'm, uh, for, by, by my experience for 20 years now, plus a bit, 
an executive coach. So I help them to be the best leader they can be and support them in their journey, which goes into change management, huge cultural change programs in their organizations to really literally design, redesign who they are as leaders, but also how their companies operate so that they step out of the old unhealthy patriarchal paradigm, which hurts men as well as it hurts women in different ways, but it's painful for both genders. Of course. Sylvia, you've written this book, 12 Leadership Powers. Would you be willing to share two or three of the leadership powers with us here today on Mindfulness Mode? Yes. And uh, before I do that very quickly, how did this book came about? Yes. Being a coach for so many years, the first 18 years of my coaching practice, after three to six months after each assignment, I called or emailed my past clients and asked them, what were the two, three nuggets you got from the coaching, which are still alive, which you use literally every day in your life moving forward. And I collected those feedbacks, collected those nuggets. And after two, three years, I started to see patterns. Oh my gosh, my clients are starting to tell me the same thing. I heard this before. I heard that from that client. So I started to collect these answers, cluster them and organize them and smooth them a bit. And so the 12 leadership powers are literally not really written by me. Mm -hmm. They are the collected feedback from my clients from the first 18 years of my business. Interesting. So let me like uh, use it as a divination tool and run my finger around the content table and let's see for the listeners today, what are the two powers? Let's see, what's the first one I shall talk with you about? Bam, let's see, what is that? The power of total alignment. Ooh, I get goosebumps. Very foundational. The power of total alignment. What do I mean by that? Being a fan of our brain and neuroscience, Uh I have discovered that the magical ingredients for ultimate success in all areas of your life is the alignment between your neocortex, your conscious mind, between your forehead and your subconscious mind, which is way bigger in all the other areas of your life. And I teach my clients simple, I call them brain hacks, simple tools and tricks they can do to align their conscious goals with their subconscious programming. Because sadly, most of the time, given the fact that the brain is wired and committed to our survival, our brain is not committed to our success and happiness. It doesn't care. As long as we survive and we breed and the whole humankind survives, it doesn't care about the level of our fulfillment. So the subconscious mind, sadly, has often programming which sabotages our conscious goals. So creating total alignment between the two aspects of the mind Plus, with my clients, I go and check in all areas of their life, is there alignment between the different roles? For example, I I don't know your private life, but I'm just projecting. So a male listener might be a father, a husband, a son, a boss, an employee, a friend, um, a churchgoer, a leader of of a PTA, of whatever you might have of different roles. So these different roles in your life, if they are not aligned with each other, If there's conflict, another source of sabotage for your success. Another area of total alignment is your values. You might have different values, which depending in your phase of your life, how old you are, I believe 
the summary of our goals is not really changing throughout our life, but the hierarchy and the priorities of values are changing depending where you are. As a teenager, you want different things than in your 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s and 60s, etc. So to create alignment between your values and your goals and your different roles and your two parts of your brain, that is the magic ingredients to make a success more effortless in your life. Very interesting. Very interesting. So you work with clients to achieve this alignment so that they can be moving forward in total alignment. That is fantastic. And do you have a way of, can you somehow feel whether a person is in alignment? Yes. Uh, First of all, if they were in 100% alignment, they wouldn't hire me. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> because they don't need me. I mean, sure, that makes if, sense. If if someone has has success with ease everywhere in their life, that is a proof. I mean, you if you want to know how high is your alignment, just look into your life, think about what are your desires, dreams, and goals, and make a reality check. How close are you to your dream life? And as closer you are, your life is the external manifested reflection of your alignment level. Right. And as bigger the gap, maybe you are constantly losing money or you have heartbreak in your love life or you struggle with your body with health issues with weight or you feel like you are successful in all the external areas but internally you feel empty or nearly depressed everything which is a deviation from your dream is a symptom of a misalignment so it's pretty obvious when someone comes through my door i know there must be somewhere a misalignment otherwise they probably wouldn't even come to me and then from their body language how the i mean i remember once i had a new client he came for the first session in person to me and i shook his hand looked into his eyes and i said something like i don't remember exactly my words but something wow you really had a tough day today and that was not the first it was probably one of multiple hundreds of bad days in a row is that correct and he was like bursting nearly into tears because he was so shocked i I, we haven't spoken a word i just felt it from his grip of his hands yes yes. so not to sound now too crazy woo-woo i'm not a mind reader i'm just highly intuitive and my empathy is trained so and every person communicates differently for him it was his handshake where i felt things Mm -hmm. for someone else it's maybe i'm looking into their eyes and i see something for someone else it's the words they use a lot for example um there is a saying, and I'm translating now my brain quickly from German into English so that it makes sense for Americans. When you don't use the word I, when you avoid that constantly, when you say people do, people say, when you use this kind of generalizations, that is a very interesting hint regarding leadership, regarding confidence, regarding self-worth. Because someone who consistently avoids the word I, there is a misalignment. Okay. Because if you're standing fully in your power, if you know what you want, if you love yourself, that you have no issues and saying, I, I want this, I want that, right. I think this, because you're free to own yourself and stand in who you are. So there are tons of indicators and little things which uh, can speak to the world, hey, I'm misaligned. 
And you, I know, you, and everyone who's mindful knows this too. You come into a room, you see two people uh, interacting. You can sense it's often in the energy of the of the air. Yeah, in yes, German you can. call it there's thick air. Yeah, thick yes. air, dicke Luft, thick air. And you know, oh my gosh, they just had a conflict. There was a misunderstanding. And conflict between people, between parties, between countries is a big symptom of, of a misalignment inside a society or between countries. Yes, yes it is. Well, this is fascinating talking about alignment. Let's talk about another one of the powers. Okay. Let me open the book okay. and close my eyes again. Where's my content table? One second. Okay. Da, 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 da. Where are we now? Ooh, the power of unconditional love. Oh, ah. we are jumping here from <laughs> unconditional love. That's one of my favorite topics. So the book ends with that. It's like the big finale. Sadly, most people have, um, and that is due to society's indoctrination through the media, Hollywood movies, soap operas, have an understanding of love, which is ne not necessarily serving their fulfillment in love. A lot of people misunderstand love for a quite neurotic, dramat drama kind of scripts. They think I have to behave with the other gender in order to get fulfillment in love in the way I see in Hollywood movies or in soap operas. To make it very simple, no, you don't have to and you shouldn't. Unconditional love, real love is unconditional. As soon you have conditions, and that is now a practical tip for everyone listening, men or women, if you want to have a fulfilled love relationship and you are currently single and you mm -hmm. are dating and you have created, which sadly a lot of so-called love gurus teach their clients, if you have made a list a so-called vision list of the ideal criteria, how you supposedly Mr. Right or Mrs. Right should be like, please do yourself the favor and burn that list. Mm. Burn it. Because the list in itself is not the problem, but from where you wrote that list, from where you came from when you wrote it, that's the problem. Most people are not writing that list from their higher self, their angel self, or whatever you like to call it. Most people write that list from their ego, from the part of the brain which wants to protect you from repeating old heartbreak. So from your past relationships you had, your brain is scanning, okay, what were the criteria or the, the ways of beingness of that man or that woman which hurt you so much so they create now a list with the exact opposite which the, the ego now believes oh if I find a partner who is like that that will protect me from getting hurt again Yes. Sorry, this is not how the universe, how love life works. You are creating conditioning. You are you are um, creating a narrow framework for your partnership search. And you are attracting exactly what you don't want mm. because your whole list is fear-driven and not created by unconditional love. My husband, he is from New Zealand. When I met him, we met on a conference in Florida. I was still living in Germany. My English was really bad. His uh, German was not existing. He didn't speak a word German. We both come from completely different backgrounds. Superficially, superficially physically, he was not my type. Right. He didn't fit any of my old criteria on any kind of list. But thank God I had 
detached myself from that list and the universe God who whatever you believe is bringing you opportunities he came into my life in a phase where I had let go of that list where I was able to love a man unconditionally independent of his looks biography bank account style of clothes hobbies whatsoever and he is my Mr. Perfect. For me, he is perfect. We are happily married now for 18 years. And I know I wouldn't have even recognized him if I would have stayed in this conditional paradigm of love, which is following the list and running around with that list and making little tech check marks. Okay, that guy fits. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. Perfect. And now you have a family as well. And yes. so tell me what you've learned about mindfulness through your husband and your children. Well, I think my children are even a tougher teacher regarding mindfulness than uh, my husband, because especially when children are young, like babies, and they don't have yet words, they react to your energy field. And when you as a mother or father, when you are distracted, when you are not present, they sense that and they start fussing, they start crying, they, yes, they, they start acting up. I mean, babies are the best uh, yeah. thermometer or seismograph or whatever metaphor yeah. you want regarding Regarding uh, where are you with your mindfulness? Yes. I and the interesting thing is I have two boys and both are extremely different. My my younger one is super empathetic and sensitive, mm -hmm. so he reflects mindfulness very beautifully. He lives that. He senses when there's something off with mummy. He comes to me and touches me like he puts his hand on my shoulder or looks at me deeply with a smile. And he's so sweet. And he looks at me and asks me, mummy. Is there something wrong? He senses that. So he is already very mindful. My older son, he is super creative and in his own world. So he struggles with having the empathy to sense what is going on in a room, what is going on with other people. Right. So my older son, my husband and I, we work consciously on him, with him, to, to train him, to teach him, hey, honey, you are, you are a wonderful human being. We love you. And if you stay just in your own little world or fantasy world or in your screen world of Minecraft and other games, yes. you really sabotage your relationships in life. I mean, seriously, he, he bulldozes into a room, not sensing what's going on and just starts talking and as if the world is its stages, it's mm -hmm. his stage. And so mindfulness is very present in, in my family. And it maybe has to do that my husband and I, we met at a spiritual conference. So we yes. both meditate. We both are interested in the brain. And uh, we do our best to bring that in a playful way to our children as well. Tell me about your meditation practice. What does it look like? Is it silent meditation? How long do you meditate for? So I don't have any longer a structured daily routine. I got trained in my uh, 20s and different meditation modalities. The one which had the biggest lasting impact on me was uh, Vipassana, which yes. is an 11 day intense retreat of 10 hours a day sitting still and guiding your attention into the literally into the depths of your own quantum field. It's it's in a positive way, literally mind blowing. So it's, mm. not, I mean, the word mindfulness, sometimes I think it's not the really right word for it because it's about, you know, getting beyond the mind. And how many so, times have you done that? 
the Vipassana, I've, I went through it only once in my mm -hmm. late 20s. And you get the homework to practice it then for months, every day, twice, one hour. So I didn't do it twice an hour. I did it for a few years, nearly an hour daily. And yet now I can say meditation is more something. It's so part of my beingness. It's more like a, a switch in my brain. When mm -hmm. I feel I get tied up, tense, stressed, I just... It's hard to describe. It's because it's so ingrained. For me, it's internally stepping back and out from whatever I'm doing, putting my attention inward, taking a few deep breaths and going straight to that space I had encountered, discovered through my processes of enlightenment and, and meditation and step, step into that space where I feel this vast expansive, expansiveness of awareness, where I feel connected with source and I go straight into that space, which helps me to get out of any stress, any reactive mode I'm in, any tightness, etc. So, But that is a result of previously years of meditating in a very structured daily way. Nowadays, I don't meditate in this way any longer, but I have small rituals throughout my day, uh -huh. which are not per definition per se a meditation, but rituals like in the morning, a, a positive prayer, tarot cards, certain things I tell myself when I brush my teeth, looking yes. into my eyes, right. um, a, a ritual that I bless food before I eat it. Very simple. I make a symbol with my fingers. You can see it here yes. as a heart. Yeah, and I wave, the, I, I draw the heart over the food, over the plate oh. and while I do this I give a little gratitude prayer so I have tiny rituals of mainly gratitude throughout the day when I start a new activity and for the listeners one practical tip I give my clients is every time you step through a door you can make sure you are mindful you are entering the next phase because when we step through a door normally we start something new we are entering yes. a meeting we get out of a meeting we maybe for me i work from home when i go out of my home office i maybe enter the kitchen to eat or i enter the family room meeting family members so whenever we enter through a door into a new room that's a perfect signal or trigger to check in am i mindful right now and sometimes for me it just takes closing my eyes a deep breath letting go whatever was bothering me opening my eyes with the next deep breath and being present for what's ahead of me so mindful so, tribe you've heard it here be mindful by thinking about being mindful when you walk through that door i'm just taking a moment to be mindful and thinking you know what it's true Every time you walk through a doorway, you can think to yourself, am I being mindful? And I really appreciate that tip that you're giving us, Sylvia, because it's, it's extremely powerful to do something like that. And that's, that's something that I'm going to remember. I have heard it once or twice before, or at least something similar, but I really like this. Now, I want to ask you this question about bullying, because I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade. Do you have a story, Sylvia, where either you were bullied, you know someone who was bullied, maybe you actually did a bullying behavior, but I want to know if you have a story where mindfulness would have made a difference in that situation? Hmm. From my own experience, let me say that 
I had I had in the past quite a short fuse. Is that an yes. expression which makes yes. sense for English yes, speakers? It does. So when I watched something which was uh, against my values, some injustice, some yes. unfairness at, at school or in business, oh my gosh, that triggered me. And being German, I'm I'm, I'm straightforward in my communication. Mm -hmm. So I I had the tendency in the past to <laughs> explode and say yes. what I think and be quite. Right quite uh, straight and intense and sometimes to a degree which was uh, hurting the other person and went over the top and was not appropriate for the situation there's a difference between stepping up when you see injustice and justice and mentioning it and addressing it or leeching out because you feel subconsciously attacked in your own value system so yes. there's these two layers of appropriate addressing plus because my ego was still attacked attached to my values being here yes. attacked and threatened where my ego was reacting. So mindfulness gave me the tool to be able to even distinguish what I just shared with you, that there are two layers, that that it's not about not saying anything. Mm -hmm. It's it's about having the clarity and the confidence to address things which are not okay, but in a way which are productive and not coming from an own heard ego reaction pattern where I'm protecting more my own values or whatever I'm feeling attacked. Maybe it's an argument, maybe it's a belief system. So mindfulness helps me to distinguish that. I, I was able to discover that and mindfulness helped me to train to let go of the ego hurt reaction where I'm defending, where I'm attacking the other person because I feel threatened and focus really on the productive part of the interaction. So mindfulness, I think, makes me a better person where this short fuse is now a very long fuse. Yes. So it needs now much more to, to trigger me that I lose control. So mindfulness ultimately gave me more control about the, like, animal parts of me, the ego parts, the subconscious mind parts, the parts where in the past I might have gone out of control in a painful way for others and myself. Well, that makes sense, Sylvia. I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. Okay. The first one is this, who is one person who influenced your mindfulness? The biggest one, my husband. Mm. Wonderful. Oh my gosh. His name is Peter Hill. You can look him up on social media. He has no business, but he's just an amazing man. Peter, Peter Hill? Hill? Yes. Peter Hill. And he's from New Zealand originally. Yes. He loves paragliding and he, he is my private guru. He's my wizard. He's my everything. Ah, uh, that's wonderful. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? You talked about it briefly already, but maybe you can sum it up. Um, mindfulness helps me to stay out of emotional drama and enjoy the beauty of, of real emotions. Mm. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness, Sylvia. It's my most easiest, most powerful tool. By just taking a deep breath, I raise already my level of mindfulness. Mm. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what book would that be? Oh, I hope I don't butcher the title now. My, the book laying beside my bed for years is Outrageous Openness. Outrageous Openness mm -hmm. by a woman written in San Francisco, something, something silver. 
Tanya Silver, something T of first name, Silver. It's embarrassing. I, I have it so often in my hand and I don't remember her name. But that book um, is my um, rescue line. If other tools don't work, other books, outrageous openness. Oh, well, that's wonderful to hear because you know what, Sylvia? I don't think anyone has ever suggested that book on my show before and uh, so that's very cool outrageous openness and I'm actually looking at it here on Amazon right now and it says letting the divine take the lead and it's yes. by Tasha Silver and Dr. Christine Northrup yes so I love that you've shared a book that has never been shared before outrageous openness and now, I don't know if you use apps or not, but can you recommend an app? Maybe you use one, maybe your clients or your husband does. I use a wonderful app which comes with a biofeedback uh, measurement instrument from HeartMass. HeartMass Institute. Yeah, the HeartMass Math Institute. Institute, yes. And the app is called Inner Balance. I'm showing it here right now oh, on, yeah. my, on my screen. And it measures the coherence level you have between your neocortex and your heart. So it really trains the brain in your heart. And I love, I love that. So I, I use that daily once or twice. Well, you know what? I have never used that, and I've I've learned about heart math. I've heard some of the interviews, and I think it's cool, but I don't know why I've never used it. But now that you suggest it, I'm going to try that. I'm going to download Inner Balance by Heart Math, and I'm going to check it out because it sounds very, very cool. Well, Sylvia, it's really exciting to have you on the show. And of course, your book, Leadership Powers, 12 Leadership Powers for Successful Women, is doing very, very well. And I want to encourage you, Mindful Tribe, to check out the book and, uh, you know, read that book because it's not just something that you've thrown together. This has been put together from years and years of experience and knowledge. How can we learn more about you and what you have to offer to the world, Sylvia? Thanks for asking. By the way, the book is right now relaunched. It was already a bestseller, so I don't need numbers, yet I wanted to get it out into the world. And I created a new gift. It comes with a link with three videos of with brain hacks, how to come overcome the fear of stepping into your power, how to overcome the guilt around self-care, and how to overcome the shame around asking for money. So you get in the book a link to these three videos, a short training to help you rewire your brain to overcome these blockages. And if uh, listeners want to reach out to me or be notified by uh, new launches of my programs, please go to my main webpage, which is my family name, becker-hill.com. I spell it out, B-E-C-K-E-R hyphen, which is a symbol of minus, minus H-I-L-L.com. This is the main webpage for my school. And I'm also launching this year in June a podcast, which will be also having a big link called radio on that webpage so you can follow me there as well and I hope I will have you on my podcast as well. I would love to be a guest on your podcast. So Mindful Tribe, check out the website beckerhill.com but make sure you put that hyphen in between the two words, Becker hyphen hill.com. 
com and get that free gift of the th- well that's once you get the book once you get the <laughs> book you will be able to get the free gift with the uh, the videos and so that sounds wonderful Sylvia it has been tremendous having you on the show I'm I'm just wowed by your knowledge and your insight your uh, intuitive ability so you have some very fortunate clients that you've been able to help, and that I think that's wonderful. So thank you again for being on the show, Sylvia. My pleasure, absolutely. Okay, bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or episode number into the search bar. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. Hit subscribe and share. Subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Subscribe and share, share, share. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus and happiness. Stay in the mode.